This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The only thing I can say is, wow, what a performance by the Philadelphia Eagles against the Minnesota Vikings in front of a national audience on Monday night. Now it's on to Carson Wentz and the Washington Commanders. My guest to talk about the game against the Vikings and what's coming up is one of the greatest Eagles running backs of all time. Brian Westbrook joins me on this edition of Gunna One, the podcast, right now. This is Sal Palantonio from ESPN. I'm Brandon Graham. Lane Johnson here. This is the magnificent DJ Jazzy Jeff. This is Donovan McNabb. This is Chris Long. This is Mark Sumoff, the TV voice of the 76ers on NBC Sports Philadelphia. This is Eagles Hall of Fame quarterback Ron Jaworski. Hello, I'm Jay Wright, head coach of Villanova Basketball. Hey, I'm Brian Westbrook, and you're listening to the Gun On One podcast. And what's happening? This is your blessed boy, Brian Dawkins, Hall of Famer, and you're locked in to Gun On One. We're locked in to the Gun On One. Gun On One. Gun On One. You are locked on to Gun On One. I've been on the air for 25 years, but I could not wait to be on Gun On One with my man, Derek Gump. ESPN bracketologist Joe Lenardi telling you to stay locked on to Gun On One. It is a number one seed. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me on the week two edition of Gun On One, the podcast. It is powered by Jacob Sports Media. I'm Derek Gunn. The game was near perfection Monday night against the Minnesota Vikings. I don't think anybody thought it would be that lopsided, but it was much to the credit of the Philadelphia Eagles. Joining me right now to break down what we saw Monday night and to look ahead to the Washington Commanders is one of my all-time favorite Eagles. He is also one of the best who ever antagonized me in the locker room back in his playing days. He is the one and only Brian Westbrook. B. West, what's up, my man? D-Gun, just, just grinding, man. You know, super excited about this football team. I know we're going to talk about it, but uh, what a show. What a show. Woo! Man. Now, what's your what's your initial reaction to what they did to the Vikings? Well, they just systematically destroyed that football team. Um, and listen, I, I don't care who you are, whether you're a five-year veteran, whether you're a first-year quarterback, doesn't matter who you are. Playing on Monday Night Football generally takes a different type of mindset. First of all, just the lead up, you're you're kind of sitting around all day. Instead of playing at 1 o'clock, you wake up, you go to the stadium, you play the game. You're sitting around all day. You're playing at 8 o'clock, so you're kind of reviewing everything in your head. You have weird meetings. So your, your schedule is already thrown off. And then 
you got to go and go out and play knowing that everybody's watching. That's the best thing about Monday Night. Andy Reid always used to say it. Everybody is watching. And that was the best thing. And so one of the things that I loved about Monday Night is that only game in town. Only game mm-hmm. in town. That's the best part. We have to start with Jalen Hurts. There's nowhere else to start. That man was 26 of 31, 333 yards, a passing touchdown, two rushing touchdowns. He's had two different styles of defenses attack him, and he has not only survived, but he has thrived in both occasions. Tell me from your perspective what you've seen in two games of the maturation of Jalen Hurts. Well, we've seen a quarterback that's comfortable. Um, We've seen a quarterback that has matured a quarterback that's understanding defense is much better. But most importantly, we've seen a quarterback that understands what the offense is doing. And that's probably the most important thing for a quarterback, understanding what the offense is doing and where your guys are supposed to be at and when they're supposed to be there. And the reason you know that is because he's looking at one place saying, okay, this is where the ball should go. It's man-to-man, the ball should go here. It's zone the ball should go there. He he understands exactly where the ball should go, and now all he has to do is deliver it. And what I saw yesterday, and even in the first game, was a quarterback that was much more accurate. And so some of these balls, especially against his own last night, was you, you got to be accurate, pinpoint accurate. You got to get it over the linebacker and in front of the safety. We saw a young quarterback uh, that, that has developed that skill. We didn't see that last year. We didn't see the anticipation last year. We didn't see a comfortable quarterback last year. He has progressed. He's gotten better. He also has found out that, hey, I still can use my legs, right? And so when you got a quarterback that's going to be accurate, on time, in rhythm, is going to put the ball where it needs to be, and he has the ability to say, hey, everything went wrong. Now I need to be able to use my legs. That's a dangerous weapon, and I think we saw a lot of that uh, on Monday night. Against the Vikings, he connected with eight different receivers. He threw the touch passes. He threw the darts. He answered questions about throwing across his body. Right now, he seems to have total command of every type of throw that we questioned about Jalen Hurts. He he does. What we asked ourselves last year was, how good is he? And last year, I mean, he was okay used his legs a lot, didn't really trust his eyes, was not in a rhythm at all. Obviously, there were issues with him understanding exactly where guys are going to be at and at the timing of that. And he's answered some of those questions already this year. Now, here's the truth. Second year, one of the best receivers in the game, um, when you talk about college game, Devontae Smith, second year of him. So he's going to be a better route runner. He's going to be a better uh, presenting himself to the quarterback. We've seen some of that already. You're going to get A.J. Brown, and that just takes your skill level of that wide receiver position to a different, to a whole different level. And so now you have a guy that's been there and done that, knows how to be physical and use his body, knows how to find the holes in the zone. And when you watched that game last night, I couldn't help but saying, like, what in the world are the Vikings doing? Yeah, yeah. Whatever they're doing, they should never do that again. This is a terrible <laughs> defense, uh, but it was also great execution offensively. Receivers doing their job, offensive line doing their job, and the quarterback delivering the football uh, on the money and on time. How shocked were you that Ed Donatello, the Vikings defensive coordinator, didn't adjust? 
he stayed with that zone defense and Eagles just chewed him up because I'm like, yeah, I'm sitting there going, what the heck is he doing? What he started with is not working. You have to adjust on the fly. What, what it looked like, and, and listen, I, I give a lot of credit to Jalen Hurts for improving. I give a lot of credit to Jalen Hurts for getting better from year to year. And I think the last time I was on with you, I said, yeah. this is what I know about Jalen Hurts, is that he's going to work his butt off. And you can tell. You see the improvement. That doesn't yeah. happen by itself. That just You just don't mature to get a year older and you just automatically get wiser. It, yeah. it takes time. It takes skill. It takes it, it takes a practice. And we can see that he's gotten a lot better. Um, Monday night, it was all about um, 707. Those are 707 passes. I mean, I, I, and listen, again, I give him credit. <laughs> I give the receivers credit. But th- because of the defense, no fault of his own, Yeah. because of the way the defense played, I mean, these are literally seven-on-seven throws because the defense was out of their mind. They're playing zone. Receivers are getting in behind linebackers. They, they were they were easy throws for the most part. Now, there were some very skilled throws. I mean, you talk about look at some of those passes, again, over the linebacker in front of the yeah. safety. Those are touch passes. You have to be super accurate. The throws deep down the field, even though guys are running wide open, how many times have we seen quarterbacks overshoot wide receivers? We see yeah. that an awful lot. These are still uh, skill set throws that Jalen Hurst uh, exhibited on on Monday night, and he looks really, really good. But defensively wise, I, I'm, I, I, I would have had to gone to this coach like, listen, whatever this is that you're doing, yeah. don't do that anymore. They allowed 21 points in the first half. Don't do that anymore. Just don't do that anymore. And it was obviously that they, they, they didn't change anything, and Jalen Hurts ate them up the entire game. When you talk about the passes that Jalen Hurts made, I said on a couple of platforms, I thought the best throw he made was the one he dropped over the top of the under coverage and on top of the uh, coverage on top of uh, Dallas Goddard down the sideline, and Goddard dropped the pass. I thought that was his best throw of the night. Well, I'll tell you, it was a it was a really good throw. It was a, con- a contested ch- catch, right? So yeah. Dallas went up. He was higher up over top everyone. He, when he's coming down, the defenders are there. Of course, they're they're doing their job. They're trying to punch the ball out. Um, I think that was his second incompletion of the night. I believe he started. I'm going to say 16 of 18. Something. I mean, those are crazy yeah, numbers. I'm crazy. I don't care if yeah. you're running seven or seven or not. It, it, 16 of 18 are just great numbers when you talk about accuracy, efficiency of a quarterback. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, the great passes all around. You know, it, it's really good to see our quarterback have the ability to do that because mm-hmm. the only question you have offensively, you know, the offensive line was going to be solid. You know, uh, Stoutland does a great job. No matter who it is, they're going to be good. You know, the wide receiver is going to be solid. Smith, Brown, two good wide receivers. You knew that Dallas Goddard is going to be a good, big target. I, mm-hmm. I have a feeling with the with the group of running backs that you have uh, that, that they would at least come together to be at least one solid running back. The question is your quarterback. How well could he mature? How well could he be in key moments? And last night was a key moment. Monday night football is a key moment. It mm-hmm. all all things are pointing to you, and there you have a lot of different reasons not to not to play well. He stepped up and played well, and I was impressed. While we're handing out accolades, I think you have to give one to Shane Steichen. He called the perfect game and the perfect balance game. Thirty-one passes, thirty-four rushing attempts. Yeah. You know, I think Shane has done a great job of 
understanding his personnel, keeping his quarterback and his team in rhythm. You know, when I was playing, there were times where we would get in the rhythm of running the football. And yep. once you're in that rhythm, you don't stop until they stop you. You force the defense to stop you. And there were just times where Andy was like, yeah, you know, that was cool. Those couple of running plays were cool. Now I want to do something different. Now I want to throw the ball like I want to. So he kind of lost me in that rhythm. He was trying to get Donovan, quite honestly, back into his rhythm. I think Shane has just done a great job of keeping everyone involved. Run, pass, you know, screen, quick screen, going deep. It wasn't lost on me. And I, I want to say it must have been maybe early in the second half that we get to right around the 45, 50-yard line, first down. And A.J. Brown hadn't touched the ball in a little bit. I know. He got one-on-one coverage on the left-hand side as our offense was going away, was actually going towards the big scoreboard. And and Jalen Hurts just gave him a shot. He gave him a chance. And actually, the pass probably maybe two, three yards too long. But Mm -hmm. it's not lost to me that even as a quarterback, he feels like, okay, I got to get my guy involved a little bit. He hasn't touched it enough. You kind of see it in basketball where your star player hasn't touched the ball in the last two or three possessions. Right. And, you know, the coach calls a play for him just to make sure he touches the football. I, I think Jalen Hurts has that skill set to understand. I got to make sure I get everyone involved. And Shane has just done a great job of get keeping defenses off balance, keeping defenses off balance, making them guess. And when you have a quarterback that can run and a defense is guessing, that, that, that allows for so many different things, positive things for the offense, and they all lined up well on uh, Monday night. All right, B. West, I want you to take me inside the mind of a running back, your position. When I look at Miles Sanders over the first two games, he's running with authority. Mm-hmm. He's running, let's say, with a sense of purpose. I think he's he's got that proverbial chip on his shoulder of people who have doubted his durability, and, of course, you've been in this situation. It's a money year for him. Yeah. Well, anytime it's a money year, you're going to do anything and everything you can uh, to show out. And and people always be like, well, don't you do that every year? Yeah, I do do that every year. However, it's a little bit different when your money's on the line, right? Yes, I always sir. want to beat yes, my sir. brother in basketball, but if we put money on the line, it's a little bit different. A little bit of intensity ratchets up just a little bit, and so – same type of thing for uh, Miles Sanders. I think the world of Miles Sanders. I think he has super talent, has the ability to be a premier running back in this league. I would love for him to be involved in the pass game a lot more, um, but that that may not be his calling here. You have Boston Boston Scott that does a great job, Gangwell that does a great job in the pass game, so he may not have that opportunity here. But when you talk about what this offensive line has the capability of doing, and then you talk about Miles Sanders' skill set, speed. He looks faster. He looks quicker. He's making much better cuts. He looks determined to say, okay, I'm not going to mess around behind the line of scrimmage. I'm going to get downhill. That's important for a running back. When you're young, and I saw Saquon do it when he was young too. When he was young, he would mess around around the line of scrimmage and then try to outrun people to the edge. The, the true test, unless you are Chris Henry type of uh, fast, you, you got to get downhill, put pressure mm-hmm. on the defense, make them work, and then you use your lateral quickness to make them miss and get downhill a little bit further. But the one thing that I thought Miles Sanders coming into the season could do a better job at is making that first man miss. Over these first couple games of the season, he's done a much better job of that. Can, can we get off Jonathan Gannon's back 
for just one week. If nothing more, one week. This defense against Minnesota, aggressive, made Kirk Cousins extremely uncomfortable. Yep. Generated three turnovers, kept his Vikings offense under 300 yards of offense. And Adam Thielen didn't even get a catch until the fourth quarter. And oh, by the way, Darius Slay played Justin Jefferson as well as any cornerback could play Justin Jefferson one-on-one. You know, I'm laughing because I'm playing in this fantasy football league. Oh, for no. some reason, I picked Adam Thielen. Oh, and no. That first three and a half quarters of the game, like, they don't even look his way. They don't even try to look his way. But, no. you, you know, to your point, uh, Jonathan Gannon does deserve a little bit of, of credit. I mean, the other, quite honestly, if you think about it, I think Cowie probably deserves the credit for what they were able to do, adding pieces. Uh, Bradbury, no one wants to throw the ball towards to, over his way. No one's going to want to throw the ball Slay's way after after his performance this past week. So, yeah, I, I think he deserves some credit. I saw him, Jonathan Gannon, blitz a little bit on third down, which is exactly what they need to do. They have to find a way to add pressure. Uh, just a little bit, and he uses linebackers to do that. They use uh, a zero blitz a couple times yep. to try to get after Kirk Cousins. You know, Kirk Cousins was not comfortable at all in that game. And quite honestly, I, I was confused by that. I was confused to why he wasn't comfortable because early on, we didn't see a lot of a pass rush. We didn't see no. our defensive line just getting after the quarterback. We didn't see that. So I'm not sure why he didn't get comfortable and try to get the ball out a lot quicker and a lot more fluidly than he did. But when he did uh, get that pressure, now you start seeing even more jittery feet back there in the pocket. And Jonathan Gannon did a great job of adding pressure when he needed to. And you got to give credit to those guys on the back end. Yeah. They just have just done a great job of running around, being in the hip pocket of wide receivers and tight ends. And when you have that type of talent, you got to play to that. And that means you can add an extra guy, right? And so now I have to believe Jonathan Gannon watches the tape and is like, oh, you know what? Maybe instead of paying, and I don't know these numbers, instead of playing 45% zone or 45% man, yep. maybe I should go ratchet that up to 60 and blitz a little bit more. So, I mean, you have to start thinking this is the first opportunity, these first two games of him to seeing the real defense of what it is and what it's going to be for the season. And I think this defense will continue to get better, but I also believe that Jonathan Gannon will continue to say, you know what, maybe I could press it a little bit harder. Maybe I press it again. Maybe I just blitz a little bit more just to see what happens, to see if my guys on the back end can keep up. And once they found out that Kirk Cousins wasn't going to have one of those days, that they got after him a little bit. So are you thoroughly on the Gannon bandwagon now? Or are you still in a wait-to-see mode with Gannon? Oh no, we still need to wait and see. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you. I'll tell you why. Yeah. Um, you know, coming into this game, I thought I thought the Vikings would put up a pretty good fight. They did. And I started going back, looking through their records, and looking home away. And they're they're never very good away from that dome. They're never very good away from the dome. And so, I, you know, at the beginning of the season, I'm just like all the other Eagles fans. I'm like, well. They just won. They won two in a row. That obviously means they're going to the Super Bowl, right? I mean, that's right, that's what right. all Eagles fans are saying. This is a Super Bowl football team. I saw someone posting on Twitter today. It's going to be the Bills and the Eagles in the Super Bowl. But but I'm also old enough, mature enough, and seen enough to understand that the Lions, 
probably be better than they were last year, but they're not going to be a good football team. The, the, the Vikings probably are not a very good football team, even though they have a bunch of talent. So as, as excited as I am about everything that happened over the first two weeks, I have to take a much bigger wait and see look to say, okay, let's, let's play against some good teams. Even though our team has played well, let's play against some good teams and see if, see if we can play up to that level. All right, well, that brings us now to our next opponent, the Washington Commanders, and a guy named Carson Wentz. Now, he may not come out and say it publicly, especially when you consider the way he left Philadelphia and the way he uh, kind of uh, embarrassed his way out of Indianapolis and the owner of the Colts basically came out and blasted him. How bad do you think Wentz wants this game against the Eagles? Oh, he wants it. I remember when I went to San Fran and I mean, I was old and I wasn't Carson. Carson's the number one pick, you know, the second pick overall, whatever it is. I, I was done. My career was over for the most part. I was still playing, but my career was done. But yeah. even when the Eagles came out there, there was a little bit of revenge there. There was a, a want for me to want to show Andy Reid and his staff, the players that I still can play football. So yeah. we talk about a young man, with, I'm sure he has ego like every other player in the NFL. He, he wants to show this team that he can still play football and that they made a mistake, period. That, yep. and he may never say that, but he's definitely thinking it. And he play, he's played well these first couple of weeks. He's thrown the ball all over the place. They got some good receivers down there. So, you know, he wants to come here and, and show that, uh, you know, we're, actually the game down in, in Washington, you know, he, he wants to show that he can be a very good player. I, I – if I'm him, I'm, I, you have to figure out a way to go after this defense. That's the mm-hmm. hard part because the only thing that they put on tape is interceptions and pass deflections and blitzing your quarterback, all those different things. He has to be weary of that, um, and you know it's going to be a really good matchup for him. You know, outside of injuries, why do you think we haven't seen that Carson Wentz that we saw in 2017? He's had some good moments, but he's had more moments that seem to stand out since – since that season? You know, the good thing that I'll say about, and and I'll use Jalen Hurts to to give an example about Carson. The good thing that I know about Jalen Hurts was he may not have said it out loud to the the media, but he went back and said, my game is flawed in a way. I have to get better. And that's why every time I talk about him, I always leave with, I know he's going to work his butt off. Yeah. Now, does he is he good enough? We'll see. But I know he's going to work his butt off. And part of working his butt off is being real enough to say, "Hey, this is what I did good, and here are the three things that I did bad. I got to improve on those three things." Um, that was something that I actually prided myself in. I, like I was, when everyone's singing your praises, you still your praises. You still got to figure out, okay, where can I improve? Or whenever when no one's singing your praises, you got to say, okay, maybe they're right. Where can I improve? Mm-hmm. There were parts of Carson Wentz, especially when he's here, and I, you know, obviously I haven't covered him in a, in a while, but there were parts of Carson Wentz when he was here that it felt like he was never willing to say, hey, I can be better. Or, you know what, that's my fault. Or, I helped to cause that. And that's that's a flaw in a lot of professional players, not just him, but a lot of professional players are never willing to look at themselves mm-hmm. as the answer. And this is what I know what happens when you do look at yourself. You say, okay, you know what? Maybe I didn't play as bad as I as I thought I did. Number two, I got some things to improve on. 
And if I improve on those things, then I can quiet everything else up, right? Yeah. And I don't know that Carson ever took that to 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 task. He you talk about skill set. He's big, he's strong, he's athletic, he can make all the throws. I think he needed to improve in his ability to read the defense and the coverages, but also knowing what the offense was going to get out of those defenses. Once he has that ability to prove to improve in that area, he's a talented kid. Yeah. You know, yeah. So I think that he should be able to take the jump, and maybe this year is that year that he's going to take that jump. Right now, Carson has seven touchdown passes, uh, three interceptions. Man, he's got some weapons to throw to. You know, he's got the the new highly paid Terry McLaurin. He's got the kid, Jahan Dodson, yep. Curtis Samuel. Now I'm not. I'm assuming a lot of fans are already saying, "Well, we just handled Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Those guys should be a problem." But I don't have to tell you this, but each week is a different storyline in a different scenario. Well, you're, for one, you're going on the road. It's a different environment than being at the first game in the link of the season. So it's a right. different world. You won't be on Monday Night Football. Um, the the other part of that is, and this is a this is an interesting thing. When you play good the first couple games, mm-hmm. especially against that offense that we played and against the talented receivers that we had, we played uh, on Monday, Justin Jefferson, you start to say, you know what, I'm pretty good. And what you can't do is start to say, I'm good enough, and you don't get better that week, right? Right. And you, you said, whoever I play next is a lower-tier player, which which is not true because these guys can fly. They have all got speed. Um so it's a good test of success. How do you respond to success? And then what do you do next for this defense? For sure. Same thing for the offense. You guys play well on Monday night football. It's easy to fall into the I'm good attitude. I'm good. I'm good. Now, I know I've missed a couple balls in practice, but I'm good. Don't worry. I'll do it in the game time. It's easy to fall into that. We can't allow uh, this football team to fall into that. This football team can't allow itself to fall into that. But this will be another test. You got a quarterback that can throw the ball all over the field, and you have talented weapons. Antonio Gibson is a very good running back. Yes. So you'll be tested on every part of your defense. You'll be tested defensive line, linebacker wise. Your discipline, your eye discipline, whether it's do I need to cover this tight end or do I need to run up to the quarterback to try to tackle the quarterback? You'll 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 be tested in your discipline and your your technique on the outside because you got speedy receivers that can go. And all you have to do is make one mistake and turn McLaurin's pass you. Same thing with Dotson. So um, this will be another good test. And as I look at this season, this is actually what you want as a player. Yep. You want the games to get progressively harder. Pass one test, go to the next. And you want your confidence to continue to grow so that time that you get to the middle of the season, you got something that's welled up inside of you that says nobody can beat me. When I'm playing my game, no one can beat me. Now I got to make sure that I'm focused enough to be able to play my game. And if I can do that, then the world is mine. Mm. Then that's what you want. Now, the way this Eagles offense is rolling, and you look at the Washington's defense, the Wash- their defense has been struggling somewhat. On paper, it looks like the Eagles should blow this team out. But I don't have to tell you this. When it comes to division games, yeah. you know there there is nothing etched in stone. And when you take into consideration – some of the shockers we've seen over the first two weeks of the NFL season, it, it goes under the heading of always expect the unexpected when it comes to these two. Listen, division games are difficult to predict. Division games can go any in every way. 
Um, <laughs> why, why, why can't we think Carson Wentz can't just have one of those days, yeah, one of those yeah. 2017 days where he just looks like Marino? Why, why can't? Well, yeah. why wouldn't we think that? Um, so you got to be prepared for that. You got to be ready for that offensively and defensively. You got to be ready for a street fight. You're going into another person's house and you're trying to take something from them. That's the victory. And if you have the ability to go out there and 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 try to take something, you should be ready for a fight. This team should be ready for a fight down in Washington. I, I agree with you there. All right, enough talking about football in general. I want to talk about Brian Westbrook, and congratulations are in order. Uh, you have been appointed as the uh, director of player engagement for the new XFL, which kicks off in February. How did this come about for you, man? Well, you know – it, it, it's, I would say it started, I don't know, six, seven years ago with me getting involved with 76 Capital, just mm. understanding business, trying to say, you know, I got with some guys with 76 and said, and I told them, listen, I, I understand business. I got a business degree from Villanova. I got an executive business degree from Wharton Institute down that uh, at UPenn. I've been an in, in investor for the last 20 plus years, but I want a better understanding. So I had to say, hey, here are my strengths. Here are my weaknesses. Same thing you got to say as a player, right? Right. And they said, okay, let, let us explain to you. Let us teach you. And so over the course of a few years, they taught me. They 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 allowed me to sit in on meetings, allowed me to understand the VC and business world, which was, was great. From there, I went on to be a part of a business called Underdog Venture Team, which I'm still a part of now, a part of their mm -hmm. – I'm the managing director of their Athlete Entrepreneur Network, a, a place where we're trying to help – uh, athletes transition from sport to life after sport. We want to make sure that they get their education, their ability to learn, their ability to be employable. We want to connect the dots with their network so that they can build and expand their network so mm -hmm. they can be successful after they play. And then I got a call from Mark Ross. And I don't know, if, do you remember Mark Ross? Yeah. yeah. Mark Ross was the head of college scouting yep. when I was coming out of college. So he re actually recruited me um, coming out of Villanova, and he was named the uh, director of player personnel or player or football operations for the XFL, director of football operations for the XFL. And he said, listen, you know, this is what we're looking for. We're looking for someone that can help our guys be employable, help them get educated, help them understand that there is a life after football, and I'm literally living that, and we want to make sure that they can be successful. And, and so I said, Mark, that's that's my life. I want these guys to be successful. I don't want people saying you played football and now you're bankrupt. You made millions of dollars and now you're looking for You got to go coach high school football because you don't have any money. I, I don't want that to be our story anymore. Our story has to be I played football. That nest egg, I was able to transform into something, a larger nest egg. And when I left this world, I left a legacy for my children and those children that come behind me in my community. That's what I want to, uh, all football players, all athletes to be able to say. And, and, and that's kind of how that role with the XFL started. All right, cause so, so what specifically will your job description entail? So, you know, th there are people that help the guys on the field, coaches, yep. all those people that help the guys on the field. My job is to make sure that the young men understand a couple things. Number one, that even if you go from the XFL to the NFL, you play 10 years, you probably are going to be early 30s when you're done. Yep. And because of that, you have another 35, 40 years of working. 
And what I also know, I made good money during my career. I saved my money, didn't spend any of it. But and I, I literally could just do nothing. But that's just not who I am. And for many players, that's not who they are either. They want to stay active. They want to continue to do different things. And I want to put them in front of those opportunities. So my, my role and goal is to make sure that these young men have opportunities, have the employability to be hired by people, to have internships, to have the ability to say, you know what, I'm smart enough and I know enough that now I can go work or be an entrepreneur or, or work in construction and carpentry and things like that. I want to make sure that these, these young men have enough access to the pathways of success. And if they have access to the pathways of success, this is what I know about athletes. They're resilient, they're hardworking, they're dedicated. They are, they, they go out there and they put it all on the line. They, they can take it a, a, a loss and look at it and say, okay, I need to fix these things. I need something different. This is what the athletes will not have. If you're 32, you haven't, you haven't worked in the last 10 years, you won't have job experience. So now we have to connect the dots between employers that want people like athletes, athlete-minded people, because resiliency, being able to get over hurdles, being able to, 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 to be a hard worker, that's what employers really, really want. Now we have to find something, someone, employers, that have the ability to teach these young men, that are willing to be patient with these young men as they learn. You've been a student of the game for the last 10 years. Now we got to teach them how to be a student of business, student of, of construction, student of my own entrepreneurial business. Of yeah, life. These young men there. Yeah. You know, a student of life. You know, Absolutely. Even, you know. Absolutely. B-West, I've heard some former NFL players who've had a chance to speak at the NFL rookie symposiums come away saying basically, you know, I wonder if my message is even penetrating these young guys because when these young guys get a few dollars, you know, they, they can't hear anybody. They think they've made it when they've gotten a few dollars. So what's your angle to, to not just get your message home, but to get a message that resonates in their ears constantly? Well, you know, I, I'm just a straight shooter. I've always been a straight shooter. And I think with these young men, you, you got to shoot them straight. Listen, I've sat there. I've been 22 before. I've partied. I've spent money on everything that you're going to spend money on. Yeah. At some point, I said, hey, man, listen, this ain't it. This is not the way to go. So right. everything that you young men are going through, I have already have been there and I've done that. And I've come out on the other end by, 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 by blessings and getting a bunch of contracts, right? Yep. And I have to tell you guys, this, this is the true message to these young men. You'll be lucky to go to the NFL. Truthfully, you'll be lucky. If you're lucky enough to make it to the NFL, then that's great. The odds are that you won't make it. The other odds are that even if you do make it, you won't make enough money that you'll never have to work. So I got to be truthful with them for number one. That means you're going to have to get a job. Now, you can go find a job that makes $50,000, $60,000 a year, which is not bad money. I'm not saying that, but I also understand the psyche of players. You think of yourself as a professional player, and because you think of that, you think you can mm -hmm. spend like a professional player. So mm -hmm. you your $60,000 is not going to be good enough for you. So you have to go get yourself a job that can support the things that you want to do. That means you need a six-figure job, right? Everybody, everybody needs a six-figure job. Yeah. Now we have to find a way to make that a reality for you. And let me help you. Let me connect the dots. Let me put you in front of people that have lived that life. Let me put you in front of people that have built it from day one. I mean, because a lot of people see 
hey, well, you know, and, and uh, this is a bad example, and this is a lot of people like to look at, football people like to look at basketball players. Basketball mm-hmm. players guarantee money. Money is a much longer. But I, I'll give you an example. Magic Johnson didn't come into the league and just was the best businessman in the world. He didn't become a billionaire overnight. But there was a couple important steps that he took early on in his career to help him get educated, to help him connect with the right people, to help him be in those rooms where they're making those types of decisions where he can just throw in a couple of dollars, right? With the right people, that's important. The network is important. Being in the right room is important. Being able to understand what's going on in the right room. I mean, I've been in meetings early on in my career, my business career, where I'm sitting there and they're talking about customer acquisition costs and they're talking about convertible notes and they're talking about, they're using all these acronyms. And I'm like, listen, I don't even know what you guys are talking about. And they come to me, ask me a question. And I'm like, I don't, I don't have anything to contribute because I didn't understand the basics. Yeah. We have to yeah. teach our young men the basics. We have to make sure that they can, they can, they can uh, uh, understand those basics and, and just do a great job of being able to say, Hey, listen, um, I hear what you're saying. I think I understand where we're trying to go. I'm a little confused on this. They can't be shy, too shy to be able to say, I, I need to raise my hand. I need a little help. And hopefully we put the right people, thought leaders and mentors around them so that that community, this athletic community of guys that have been there, done that, like myself, someone, yep. B. Mitch helped me and Deuce and Dorsey Levins, they all said, let me wrap my arms around you and show you the right way, guide you towards success. Those pathways and the access to those pathways of success, we are here to help you and guide you in those directions. That's what these young people have to be able to be willing to accept. Now, D-Gun, I think you bring up a good point. Some of them may say, yeah, I hear you, Westbrook, but I ain't trying to do that. I'm trying to go in a different direction. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm going to – the same offer to them is the same offer to the man or, or that, that says, I want you to help me. The offer is there. You can't, yep. you can't. This is what I do though. You know I got a horse farm. Yep. I can take you as close to the water as I possibly can. I can't make you take that last couple steps and I cannot make you drink. Mm. But I'm willing to help you put you in a position where if you want to help yourself, you can be successful. That's the most important thing to me. Man, what a great message from you and what a great platform you have. But I'm not surprised one bit that you are in the position you're in. And I want to wish you much success. I think you are the perfect addition to the XFL to help some of these young athletes uh, who aspire to even go do greater things, get on the right path, man. So I'm proud of you. Plain and simple, I'm proud of you. you. All right, that's uh, that's going to wrap up this latest edition of Gun on One. Uh, It is powered by the Jacob Sports Media Platform. For my man, the Director of Player Engagement, slash former NFL player Brian Westbrook. I'm Derek Gunn. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us on this edition of Gun on One. Until next time, everybody out there, stay blessed. But more importantly, be a blessing to each and every person you encounter. Until next week, so long, everybody. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.